Welcome to the Curious Audience. We are here today to talk about the latest next Netflix series, Masters of the Universe Revelations. I'm here with Daniel Farron. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Luke. And Hayden Fryer. How you going, Hayden? Hey, great to be back. So, Masters of the Universe Revelations, the war for Eternia. Eternia? Eternia. Eternia. I should learn Eternia. how to pronounce that. The war for Eternia begins <laughs> the again. The war between two <laughs> In what may be the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor, this beloved 80s IP gets supercharged with stunning animation and a whole lot of lore thrown in. Written and directed by Kevin Smith, this new Netflix animation features a whole who's who of voice performances. So we've got Sarah Michelle Gellar as Teela, uh, Lena, Lena, Lena Headley as Evil Lynn, Mark Hamill as Skeletor, you couldn't miss that, Liam Cunningham as Man-at-Arms, and I was surprised to read this, Justin Long as Roboto. Kevin Smith has called up his friends to do this voice cast. Did Kevin Smith actually direct or write any of it? Because there's different names on the credits. When I looked it up he on... He just been producing. No, I looked it up on, on uh, Wikipedia, IMDb, a few few different sources, and they said written and directed, but different episodes. I think he might have been like the showrunner in that Joe, John Favreau's the showrunner of Mandalorian. Yeah, okay. But he doesn't yep. direct each Yeah, don't, don't give him undue credit there. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, uh, we just finished it. We've plowed through it over the weekend. What did you think? I loved it. Yep. I was going to say, it was said it uh, wasn't, wasn't what I was expecting, and absolutely loved it can't wait for more it was a nice balance between the uh nostalgic the nostalgic campiness also mixing in some common or modern themes and modern storytelling techniques mm-hmm. and using the uh the campiness campiness that's it the campiness in the background like the earlier couple of flashback scenes i think it's on the later episodes they really contrast against the current story they're telling and it's a nice way of paying homage to it nostalgically mm-hmm. and he made like just it. a big goof <laughs> I yeah. love how they poked fun at that too. I was going to say in one of those episodes, he goes, did he really say that? He said, yeah, he was more of a teenager than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I think that and Skeletor's, you know, big plans mm. and everyone's sort of getting annoyed with that and just being dragged along with it anyway. So we should probably first say for our listeners, this is going to be a spoiler review. We're going to talk about all the ins and outs of this series. So if you haven't seen it, we are going to ruin it for you. So press pause now, go and watch it then come back and have a good chat with us about it because I'm, I'm going to talk about episode one because I think this was the one that, that kind of set off the tone for the whole series. It kind of, if you were a fan, it either made it or broke it for you and it was the death of He-Man, the death of Prince Adam. What did you guys think of that? You guys are fans of the 80s series. You wanted the, you know, Power of Grayskull transformation scenes to know that that was done in episode one. I love the idea that they hit the ground running, pretty much picked up the tone of the old series, got it all out of the way, and then threw a left curve or left hook mm. by running with that and then completely shifting gears in the second episode. Like it's it's a great, it's ballsy to actually do that with, a modern, with an old property. And it's going to, I think I saw a line this morning that it's annoyed a lot of fans because it doesn't, it's not to their expectations, but on the same token, though, it takes it in a new direction that isn't just trading water. And I think if they kept the same sort of approach, it would have been pretty boring after a couple of episodes. Mm. The original series ran for, what, 64 episodes or something? Yeah. It's like, what, four or five years worth of syndication? Oh, no, two, two three years worth of syndication. 
So if they just done that again, you just, yeah, it'd be a pointless waste of time. When every problem gets solved instantaneously as soon as He-Man comes. So they logically they had to remove him to have any potential problem for the other characters. Exactly. And you haven't got a story if you've got him sitting there in the background acting as a juice ex uh, machinino. Hmm. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I'm just saying that, you know, you you, you thought, uh, I don't know, I thought, you know, watching the first 10 minutes of it, okay, yep, this is pretty consistent with what we had back in back in the 80s and that with that cartoon. And you, you talk about the death of He-Man. It was actually the first death, the actually a death. And it was um, when Moss Man got incinerated by Skeletor where you go, oh, okay, this, this is going totally different from where I went before. Like nobody ever got killed in the original show and they they really raised the stakes in that. And I think that was the important thing. But it's like I, I looked at some of those reviews and I went, well, what did you expect? Like was who was this made for? Is this made for, I don't know, I, I look at it and go, I don't want to have the show that I saw, you know, nearly coming close to 40 years ago. God, God, we're getting old. Um, <laughs> but um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> Uh, but it's, you know, the fact is, it said, like, this isn't the show that I'm getting so I can bring, you know, my son to watch it, even though he's watched a bit of it. This is the show that I now, as an adult who loved the original, that can go, okay, I need this to be dark. I need this to be more mature and to go into a more serious point. And, I mean, like, I won't talk about more episodes at this point, but the fact is He-Man was that syndicated show that every episode was self-contained. It was like watching James Bond. You didn't need to watch the episode before to know what's going on, and this is a totally new direction as well for him. And so it's it's great. They said they're doing they are they're taking as like Hayden was saying the nostalgia of the old properties and things like that, the look of it, and then they they're going somewhere different with this, which is fantastic. Mm. I think the credit as well is like the age group they were aiming at in the eighties was what at maximum ten year olds, twelve year olds. Probably it was kind of so driven by the toys. You know, like every character they thought up was a toy first. Well, before yeah, it was, it was uh, literally just a story like toy ad. Mm. I mean, most of them were at that time. So it's amazing Transformers came out so unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I, I read a lot of the information around He-Man. I, I, I didn't read too much because I've learned from my, my ways with movies not to read too much stuff, otherwise it gets spoiled. But I, I walked into this knowing... Okay, Kevin Smith is guaranteed this is something He-Man fans will love. He-Man's really front and center in this. There was a kind of an undercurrent of this being a very woke series that there was a lot of focus on the female characters. And I kind of walked into this going, well, that's cool. You know, I don't know very much about the female characters. And if He-Man's there as well, I'm, I'm only going to love this. And as soon as they killed him... Not only was it, wow, this is cool that they've killed him, but I kind of had a bit of sour taste in my mouth for about a, at least until about halfway through the third episode that I was just like, oh, this is going to be this woke piece of crap where we're leaning on Tila. I mean, and the hair flicking of some of the characters did not help my sour taste in my mouth. <laughs> like I wanted to love this thing, but I'm just like, oh, all I wanted, you know, like you go on YouTube, the, the clips from He-Man, the ones that people want to watch, are always the transformation scenes. It's always that. And we only get one and a bit from this whole yeah. series. 
the same token that you've got five episodes and he's transforming every single episode, that's yeah. going to get pretty boring pretty quickly. Well, I'm going to I'm going to end this kind of little bitch that I'm having by saying I enjoyed it after the third about halfway through the third one, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm getting into this now. I can I can let go of my sour taste. But I think that's the thing, though. That the whole shock value of that moment, like it wasn't playing to expectations, and they found a direction to take it that was actually building on something and giving context to who He Man was in the world as well, mm. and showing mm. that you know if you remove that cog, does it still keep turning? And obviously it does, but it's not turning as well as what it did while he was there with the whole magic stuff. So. And it was good that they fixed the identity problems. Like it was always bothered me that He-Man and Prince Adam looked pretty much identical. But the fact that they like trimmed Adam down, he looked significantly different. He still had the crappy haircut. <laughs> but at least then it was <laughs> believable. You're like, oh, of course they don't know he's He-Man. It's a Clark Kent effect. I mean, yeah. More believable though. Just, you just run with it. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you nah. think of the female characters? There's a massive emphasis on the female characters in this. There was Tila, there was Evil Lynn, there was a couple of the others. Um, what you was know, Tila's offsider? I didn't catch uh, it. Andra? Andra, was it? Yeah. I love that dynamic. I love the fact mm-hmm. that we're running them as a lead. Like it, so that's the modern, there's some modern aesthetics in that storytelling, in that approach to the characters. It obviously, the hinging on them make it a bit more bouncy, a bit more poppy. Yeah. Mm. They didn't, Shoot, uh, hamfist anything else into that? They just let that run naturally through the course of the show. I think it and shows that it didn't matter if they changed the genders. Like it could have been men or women, it still would have been good the way the story was written. Exactly. So it's irrelevant. Mm. Yeah. Like they they picked an angle and they ran with it, and they they didn't bolster against the angle, which is good. A lot of times I'll sort of you see where they get the flak back, or they start going down a track, and they just they pull away from it. But in this case, they kept it going. So Tila yeah. got better as the series progressed. Um, you know, the, her character got more fleshed out. We started to understand her backstory and what she was kind of carrying with her. I want to say the weaponry that she had was cool. Like this staff thing that she twisted certain ways and sometimes she had a bow, sometimes she had a sword. She could have like a whip. Or yeah. a, a, it was very convenient yeah. for each fight. <laughs> well, I mean, wouldn't you love that weapon? <laughs> I mean, she's oh, yeah. been arms now, so, you know. Mm. I I think I loved that fact though with Tilo. It was a case of they did you know like she got to the end of the first episode, this big reveal. She's lost you know essentially her best friend who's lied to her all these years. Of course she's pissed. Mm. Said she's she's not you know yeah you know, she's got to do all that with grieving. She's got to deal with you know how angry she is. And the fact is they didn't just like go okay she's annoyed here and then that's it. Like when she, spoiler alert, reunites, as it's going to say, we've added that she's still pissed. There's probably some argument over the agency of the character as well, where she's still harboring those thoughts and still being forced into the hero role. I don't know. that You could probably unpack that one more, but mm. I think the way it plays out so far, I'm kind of curious to see how they wrap it up in the second half of the season because it's there's all the balls in the air when it comes to the story, and I I don't know what they're pulling on for the mass, for the main law as well. Mm. Like a lot yeah. of that feels fresh, freshly unpacked. So um, yeah, it's kind of well, interesting to see where it goes. Some of the yeah. inclusion of the law in this, it was so fantastic. Like um, to find that magic was in Grayskull, like 
We've already done a spoiler alert, but here's another one. <laughs> um, Grayskull's castle was a, a disguise for another place. Um, I, I thought that was really good. I didn't feel that kind of forced at any point. It felt like like layers of an onion. You were just peeling back and there's more story there. Even mm-hmm. when we got to, to heaven and we met the other masters, that felt really natural. It didn't feel like we were getting forced. and It was very matter-of-fact as well, and there was no wink, wink, nudge, nudge with it. They played it very straight, which with the old show, like there was always some sort of nudging going on with a context, like Stinkle in that earlier episode where he pops up. I think, I will say, though, I think Kevin Smith has a lot to answer for for the fans from this series because in the lead-up to this, not only did he say He-Man was front and centre, but at one point he said He-Man is black in this. Like I read his words, he said, "He man is black." Yeah, and now that remember, Kevin the... Smith likes to talk. Uh, he likes to talk a lot, and he will just ramble uh, shit for hours think... on end just for attention. This is so. the problem, though, with all the bad reviews: is people were expecting one thing, and they've got something different, which is good. But they which were is a great expecting... magician's trick. Yeah, but I mean, the He Man Black thing—it was kind of true. I mean, one of the masters was a black character, which would have been yeah. fine, but he made everyone believe something different. So I. You know, he's got something to answer for for these poor reviews that it's getting. Can we talk about that too? The fact they had, what, Grayskull, Hero. I didn't catch the other ex-champions' names. What about the warrior, champion who couldn't speak heaven. English? Yeah. And they just kept going, eh, <laughs> immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> that was which weird. Completely play, which completely plays to the the uh, the casualness of He-Man as well. It's, it's just, they're just casually accepting and just doing their job as heroes for the common good. Hmm. And being rewarded for it in, you know, Pretonia. Yeah. Daniel, talk to us about say, Man of I just, I, I just like that fact that, like, I didn't, like, and I said, and I've watched the other series. I won't spend too much time there. We never delved into that lore in the original series. I never read, like, the original facts that came with the toys as a kid. Oh, God, how old was I? I was going to say, I didn't care. I just want to apparently those mini comics are actually pretty heavy on stuff that was written out afterwards. So, and I've 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 seen that in documentaries. I know in the um, 2000, 2002, whatever it was reboot, they sort of explored that lore a little bit more. Mm. But I said, but this one obviously it had a lot more going on. But I, I didn't feel like when you know when we get that big reveal and you see those past years, I needed that explanation. I went, I, I know who these guys are. I understood that, which was really good. And I know I know that they're releasing a tie-in comic series to go along and explain a little bit of this at the moment. I've seen the first edition, but um, I didn't feel like it's it's not like I needed that kind of explanation. I can just go, yeah, I, I get who these guys are. It's not well, yeah, well, yeah it's just a cross, it's a token cross media promotion that's just going to yeah, expand on yeah. the side stuff where if someone's yeah. hungry enough to eat it, they will. Yeah, but it's it's not like say like you know the you know all the issues with what the rise of Skywalker where you needed all this extra material and to just go and find out what the hell actually happened, where these characters came from. Yeah. This is the better way of doing it. Obviously everything yeah. in the core of media is telling you what you need to know to enjoy that. You don't need to go seeking it out. Yeah. So I, hopefully this is the, the start of the return to that storytelling techniques as well. Hmm. But, you know, I think going back to that point there about, you know, what, what he said and what came out, well, how good is that? Like I said, like, you know, you were expecting one thing and you got something completely different, something that has clearly been fleshed out, well thought out. I, I didn't know that. You know, it was after that first episode, what the hell's going on here? And then 
as the series went on, yeah, okay, I have my shock. Second episode, get through that. And by the third one, I'm back into it again. I'm going, okay, now I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I did say. love the fact that it hit the ground running and then it didn't really let up. There's no real slow points to sort of lose your interest. Everything kept unpacking, unfolding, moving forward constantly on it. So, mm. yeah. Us, the, um, it, it's not Skeletor in Subternia. Is it Subternia? Oh, uh, that. Yeah, he called Skeleton Glow. Was it like yep, a, a remodeled toy or something that they were pulling from from that? Because it oh. feels like it's like a glow in a dark version of Skeletor. They've just gone, hey, this is a great idea. We'll throw this in. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got the toys out already. I had a look at the He Man one. It looks pretty decent. Yeah. Not too bad. I, I've got to say, I, I'm, I'm curious whether you guys notice this. So the original He Man, I went and had a look at some of the stills from the 80s cartoon. He Man didn't have nipples. But in this, there was a couple of times where it was prominent chest and nipples going on. Did that distract you guys? It did me. It's where he gets a spear through the back at one point and there's actually blood shown. <laughs> like, yeah. The, the I nipples aren't an issue. I saw those nipples and I went, okay. And that was the end of it. But you know, I, I, I've seen the Dolph Lundgren movie, so, you know, I saw oh, his yeah. nipples the whole so. <laughs> To be honest, I didn't even notice it on the character design. Wasn't anything that was standing out to me. So, oh, it was. It was felt like it was in my face a couple of times with the way I was when I was watching, and I just thought I don't ever recall, you know, his suit displaying nipples. But it really accents with that X. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the places we go in these podcasts. I reckon. So we, we probably we got to give some some love to some of the other characters. I mean, some of the original characters that we love from the series were really given some quality moments in this. I mean, one of my favorites has to be Man at Arms. I think the character design from the beginning to him age, to all his weaponry, some of the fight scenes that was probably one of my favorite moments of the series. It just looks so cool, and it took me ages to work out who the voice was. What do you guys think mm. of the characters? Do you have a standout for you? Probably Orko. Wasn't expecting it, but it works. Oh. And the, the episode with him and uh, Evil Lynn buddying up in Saturnia, it, yeah, it, it, it's the kind of thing that you expect to work on paper, but then they managed to pull it off. So mm. I was going to say that was some of the best um, parts of the, of the show. I thought it was going to say just that whole dynamic between Evil Lynn and Orko. Yeah. And has that relationship developed in a reasonably short amount of time? But I wasn't a fan of the reset for Evil Lynn in the fifth episode. Like mm-hmm. that just felt a little too, I don't know. They may have a direction for it later on. Yeah. It was, I'm, it was too quick and too nostalgic for the old show. Yeah. I'm, 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 que- I'm questioning that. <laughs> that one is going to say the sincerity of where she went. It's sort of just in the moment, okay, we'll play it, play, um, you know, play it out and see what happens. But, um, you know, there's going to say, like, all right, well, I, I, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but it's going to say, is Orko going to stay that way? Well, I mean, Orko's it's gone, a cartoon. Isn't he? Oh, he can oh. come back. Yeah. Who's to, say say, to say he's even gone? Tell magic yeah. moves, right? Well, that's it. That's it. And it's going to say, clearly, that relationship has been built now. It's going to say it could have a massive impact later on. Hmm. It was even interesting to learn more about him, to learn that he was like the last of his kind and how he was kind of brought up by his parents and things like that. We'd never really known anything. 
And I was I was saying to Daniel before we started the podcast, it was weird to see Orko actually had shape to him this time. Like he, he you could see a couple of frames where he was like a circle face, where in in the eighties cartoon it was always just like a black abyss covered by a scarf or a mouth cover. It's also the um, the fact they were using so many three D angles on this thing as well, mm-hmm. so they had to have that in the character design. Whereas previously that two D flat shape they could get away with it. Mm. Yeah, or the flat cell shading, I should say. It's a wonder they didn't reveal like what he is without that hat and that under. That would have been a nice surprise, or would it have spoiled it for the fans? I remember that being a big deal in the um, original series, and I think there was one episode, and you don't see it. It all happens off screen, but it was apparently it's a big deal mm. for them to do that. So, no, it's like the fan. You never see his eyes. You don't need <laughs> to see his eyes, and it's part of the fun of you know finding ways not to show his eyes. He's just a big floating magical Jawa. You never see their face. Yeah. He's well, useless, but actual magic. <laughs> I was actually, I was kind of surprised that Bubble didn't come back in later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was a check. It felt like a checkoff's gun at the start, and I was waiting for it to come back in during that flight scene, and just it didn't happen. So mm. he came into his own. Yeah. So, how about we take a break here? And then we'll come back and we'll talk about what we think part two is going to bring and some of the little low points or the, the bits we didn't perhaps gel with us for this first part one. So we'll be right back. Magic gave birth to Eternia, the first planet in all of creation. But now the magic is gone. And without magic, Eternia will rot and die. And as goes Eternia... So goes the entire universe. I built a life of truth. Away from magic. Now you want me to save magic? Yes, to save Eternia. If I don't do this, everybody dies. Well, that was a bit of the trailer to give you an insight into what we've just experienced with part one. Where are we going to go with part two? Hopefully that needle drop of, you know, who needs a hero? <laughs> well, mm. another spoiler warning. We're going to talk about the finale and the big reveal because that that was the mega shock for me. To have Adam come back to about to transform again and <laughs> dead, stabbed in the back and Skeletor was there all along. And now Skeletor is the master of the universe. Yeah, Sorry, I'm disappointed he that. wasn't gold like in the movie. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear. <laughs> Should have got in Frank Logella for it, just to mm. keep uh, mm. shits and giggles. Oh, I had to ask, what did you think of Mark Hamill as Skeletor's voice? Did you guys keep getting, like, deja vu of Joker? No, no I, I mean, he's so Frank Welker, but, you know, he's, he's making a name for himself and going for those high-pitched voices, mm. so... Mm. I was going to say, look, there's always going to be those moments because I said it's a familiar voice, but it's still, it, it wasn't the Joker, which is which is great. And he said he, he had a totally different play on this character. So I don't know. I was just, I was pumped when when, when they said Mark Hamill was Skeletor. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Apparently, Kevin Conroy, who does the voice of Batman, was in this too. Uh, I don't know he, who he voiced, but he was in this. Uh, I watched, the, I watched the making of today. It's on Netflix. Ah, uh, who was he? I guess he was a background character of the king. No, no. Oh, the king would be 
because they couldn't, bug. they couldn't have them together. Like if they had Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill together, Who? you would just go Batman Joker. Like it would feel. Who was the original voice cast? I can't remember who was. Oh, um, just trying to remember who Kevin Conroy was, but they had um, the guy who voiced um, Moss Man as Alan Oppenheimer. He was an original voice for Skeletor. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I thought Frank Welker did it. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. No, no. Frank Welker was uh, Transformers, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, there's, Wel- a lot of, there's a lot of crossover in those voice acting gigs. True. Right? Yeah. I want to say that. Um, Kevin Conroy was um, Merman. Huh. That would make Dietrich sense. Dietrich Bader. Mm. I have a feeling that's who he was. Yeah, Dietrich Bader was the king. Oh, that's cool. So the guy who did Batman's voice in uh, Brave and the Bold was the king. Mm. Wow. <laughs> just shows how well from, connected. Uh, Drew Carey show. <laughs> shows how well connected Kevin Smith is. He just gets all these cool people and they're so connected with each other. Well, I was going to say he's made Jason Muse's uh, stinkle. Mm. So. so where do you think part two is going to go? Like I kind of – there were a couple of things I've, I thought ruined the development that some of the character arcs went in that last episode. Like Evil Lynn, she seemed to go on a, a very good character arc that felt quite natural throughout this first five episodes and she seemed to understand that she shouldn't be following Skeletor but then as soon as Skeletor appears, she's straight back into it. Like they I, were I, seeding some um, megalomaniac or megalomania mm. instincts there, especially when the ship before the moment attack. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they come back around, swing back around on that, and she ends up backstabbing Skeletor at some point. I feel yeah. like she should Pretty. because if Skeletor was in that, that staff the whole time, did he choose when that staff worked? Like it, it seemed like he was betraying her. Well, they also gave it a point where she looked back to the staff when they were going into Subternia, and they they made a point of her grabbing it again. So some of the stuff may end up coming back in later, or it's just a matter of fact, just going to play out how it is. Yeah. Anyway, it's I think the fun part about it is I have no idea where they're going to go with this. I don't have enough of the background lore to try and even guess what they could oh, be pulling in for it. So This is pretty uncharted territory that we're going into, like I said, you know, as I was saying before, like nobody's was killed ever before. Like, you know, He Man didn't use his sword to hit people or stab people or anything like that. That never happened before. So, you know, we are in completely uncharted waters with this show. One thing it, it did surprise me, like when they had the wild hunt stuff in there, I was thinking back on it with the, you know, the Britannia stuff, the champions, that sort of stuff. They're pulling a lot of stuff from Celtic myth and uh, Irish mythology, like the early Irish mythology. So if you went back to some of those earlier hero stories, you might be able to find something in there that would probably give an instinct of where they're going to direction-wise. Mm. It is a weird mash. And then there's also the motherboard stuff with Tricorps. Mm. So there's a few sort of cards or sort of a few pieces on the board that may still play out. But the whole idea of the motherboards being transformed into half-robotic people, it's kind of horrific. And mm. they didn't really play it for anything apart from a few gags and some ancillary Muscle, so I think Might based off um, three worlds, maybe based off what happened in Subturnia, Subturnia, I think I'm saying it right. Um, when Teela was able to claim the sword piece that was in there, and that glow kind of went around her, I kind of thought, okay, Teela's going to be the new master. She's going to kind of take up that He-Man mantle, but then that well, seemed that- to disappear. She she lost that pretty quick. 
they did drop a bit in there with Man at Arms about to reveal some big secret or before Evil Lynn cut it off. Well, so, and there is a whole thing of you know Man at Arms and the sorceress. They bang it at some point. I can, I can, uh, I can actually go back to the original one because I said I know enough of it that um, Teela is is the sorceress's daughter. Yeah, I said Man at Arms is her adopted father. Oh, yeah. So, so that's yeah. that's that that's actually not new. Teela doesn't has never known it. So yeah. it's uh that's um, but it it, it it was in an original um in the original series, and I think she finds out and she gets a mind wiped because she's not ready to know. Who's her real father then? Would it be He-Man? Oh, it's really no. Skeletor. <laughs> Could be. Well, isn't Skeletor he- supposed to be He-Man's uncle or something? Yeah, I possibly can't remember because he was he an evil. He was an evil sorcerer, corrupted by the powers of Snake Mountain. Well, I'm really pushing my memory here. Yeah. Oh, I think it depends which ver- <laughs> which version. I think he's got. There's different stories for him. They said I, nothing. I said the 2000 series gave him a backstory, but the originals never did. And this is drawing more on that than 2000. So, yeah, good if we did see Android's more name? Skeletor's story, though. It'd be great to see him before he had the skeleton face. I know we've seen that in the 2000 one, but um, this is certainly superior to that. It'd be great to have a little bit more backstory into that. Mm. I would be surprised if the first couple of episodes in the new season end up flashing back and giving some context to this stuff. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it's a track. It, it's a classic way of doing the act divisions, and I yeah, I'm almost surprised they do do it to set up something for the finale. Do you think we'll see He Man again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a quick question. I uh, mean, yeah, his name's not exactly answer. in the title, so mm. yeah, it's not He Man in the Masters of the Universe; it's just the Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. So there's no well, big misdirection in that, is there? <laughs> what's the what's going to be the revelation? Yeah. Mm. Well, I was going to say is um, is he dead? Just saying, he said he's been stabbed. He's not. We don't actually know if he's dead this time. <laughs> yeah, well, there is a MacGuffin of you know Evelyn starting to heal Skeletor before he died. Yeah, and there was the thing as well. The champion saying he can't return the Preternia when he dies. Mm. So I don't know if it means he's going to Subternia. So yeah, you can't, again, limbo. yeah. I kind of looked at it when Neil was at the sorceress goes and she's back in that tube and she's clearly getting powered up again or something like that. So I figured that's probably got something. To do there, you know, fly down, heal him up, yeah. something. It's a cheap cliffhanger. Mm. Yeah. It'll get you back. Always does. Yeah. I like the idea that He-Man could have been Teal's father. I, the more I think about that, I, I think that that could be quite cool. It kind of explains why she was able to find the, the sort of power, that she's constantly being drawn back to magic because she's got that within her. It also so explains her that, connection that she has with Adam. So you're saying He-Man who is Adam, is Teela's father, and Teela has a thing for Adam, who is her father, as He-Man. They don't have a thing. They're like brother and, and sister. And everyone but her knew <laughs> that Adam and Teela were the that Adam and He-Man are the same. Oh, well, come well, on. I mean, He-Man's not wearing... Uh, pretty incestuous for a kid's He-Man show. is not wearing, not wearing very much clothes. I mean, he's hanging out in the castle, Grayskull. He's ripped as. The sorceress looks at him, you know, gives him that look one day. He doesn't have much to take off. Or action to really? happen. It's, it's kind of the whole Shazam principle where it's just the kid. And he's <laughs> got nipples now, so, you know, he's 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 more into it. <laughs> well, how about this one? As, how about this one as a theory then? I'll, I'll, I'll take it that it's not Adam being the dad, but okay. I'll take the He-Man part. Now, when he was in, was it Preternia, 
they say there's a line and he says everybody here came in their hero form except for Adam. Mm. Is it possible that Teela's father is the previous hero? Maybe. Oh. I did and find that I did find that line, but the context of that line interesting because it plays some Adam's modesty as He Man as well, mm. where he doesn't see himself as He Man; he sees himself as Adam, mm. and He Man's only the persona he's in that form. So, okay, it's a nice, I like yeah, Daniel's nice theory character now. segregation. Yeah. <laughs> I like <laughs> Daniel's theory. I feel like that could work. I feel like Teela's. Good. We're going to find out her parentage, her origin. It's totally grayscale. He was banging the print, uh, the sorceress. Yeah. Well, explains her coloration, you know. She's a different kind of skin tone to everyone else. Hmm. Oh, I was going to say, I know, I know, I know enough with the law that said it's never, to, to the best of my knowledge, it's never been revealed. So maybe this will be the first time. Maybe that is a revelation. Maybe that's what they're building up to. Some big thing that connects the whole thing together. So you guys know hmm. a lot about the show. Can you explain to me, Teela had a crown on and it was a big symbol of, a, there was a lot of symbolization when she threw that to the ground in episode one. Why did she have a crown and why did that mean anything? She was sergeant at arms, wasn't she? Uh, she was the captain, captain of the guard. Yeah. She got like a crown. And then she got promoted. But um, I think it was just a big FU moment, throw the thing down just to get the closest thing and throw it on the ground. Well, it's also the uh, it's the self-identification. So it's a bit of... Not so much an armor, but it's the same. It's the, it's the military wear that she's throwing down, the same that she's leaving. Yeah. You know, the king, all the courtship of the king. Mm. So it does that harken back. Makes sense. It's, like, it's all this feudal stuff. They're mixing there with the techno stuff. It's a weird mash, but it's working so far yeah. for a toy line. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how good the toys sell, I guess. Which, it's. It, Got to give them uh, credit where credit's due. It does feel like they just grabbed a bunch of toys out of the toy, out of the toy box, mashed them all together, found a line that works through the whole lot, and just ran with it. Mm. Did, you like, did you like the um, beginning of the first episode when they sort of do the intro of it and they said, and you got the pictures that are coming back oh, from yeah. the old toy line? Yeah. That was very was cool. Ni- it was a nice touch. Yeah, I think that was really cool. It's kind of like a watercolory effect or mm. something, something along those lines. And I thought they were going to do that all the way through, but uh, just the first episode. I'll be rewatching that. That's for sure. The only thing missing is the uh, the metal aesthetic from the TV series <laughs> that comes with the music. Mm. Mm. I must say, I I would have really liked to have hear the He Man theme music. You know, the, dun, 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 that one when he transforms. <laughs> I think we'll probably get it later in the season. It's probably a bit it'll too be a, It'll be a late stage needle drop to show that everything's back to normal. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's the hero, the triumphant hero returns. Mm. Yeah, that big fanfare is, you know, lifts up the sword and screams his line. Go on, Daniel, yeah. say it. Say it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing <laughs> it. I'll, I'll, I'll throw my voice out. I won't be talking for the rest of it. <laughs> I did, I did it enough as a kid. <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I've seen kids like, you know, who, you know, when I was growing up and then some of the other ones, they always wore their, you know, had a toy sword. It was always tucked into their belt. It was like saying, there's no way you put your sword. It goes down the back. <laughs> you know how you. hard it is to get a sword from your back, though? Or to it sit down with a damn thing back sword. <laughs> Try sitting down with that sword in your back shoes. Oh, yeah. It's- it's and when He Man does it, you can't see the hilt. So it's no. really far down his back. Like it's not Good like for it's, a scratch, though. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's way more dramatic when you just grab it and lift it, though. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's iconic. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's given us a bit of an insight into He-Man or the Masters of the Universe revelations, and we wait until hopefully the end of 2021 is when it's slated. There's no date, so hopefully sometime this year. That'd be He's, really um Kevin Smith said he's seen part two, so. Well, I hope so. He's producing <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, if, if he's seen the whole thing, it's going to say it can't be too far away. Oh, man, after everything he said of this one, I don't really trust Kevin Smith anymore. Like, <laughs> he could be lying. Yeah, I've seen it. Someone wrote it, texted me about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, here's Clerks 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, uh, thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Hayden, for chatting He-Man, Masters of the Universe. No problems. Glad to be back. Cool. And until next time, catch you later. I have the power. <laughs>